Welcome back. My name is Kit Laser. And I'm Steve. And this is Streaming Things coming to you live from San Antonio. No, it's not true. Remember watching Nickelodeon? They'd always say that. Live from San Antonio? No, it'd be like live from Universal Studios in Orlando and shit like that. Oh, yeah, yeah. I remember that. Mm. We're not there. No. This is pre-recorded in Kentucky. Yay. <laughs> Basically Cincinnati. Yeah. Yeah. That's... Yeah. Sounds better, and it's pretty accurate. I love living. You I love, love love. I love love love. A, but I love living on like a, a, a natural border of two states because then you can just confuse the hell out of people when you just generally talk about Ohio. But then like I thought you live in Kentucky, and it's like mm. yes, but I do, I do. <laughs> but I picked a city that a you would recognize, and b, I mean it's literally if you walk out Steve's studio door right now. I mean, the downtown Cincinnati is just, it's right there. It's in your face. Mm-hmm. You know, tall, looming buildings yeah. of capitalistic structure. And Forrest Gump probably had a hand in building that city. You think so? Yeah. Oh, he had a hand in every major development in the United States history. Yeah, since the 50s. So he kind of jumped the shark there. Today we're talking about Forrest Gump, mm. the Robert Zemeckis film from 1994. And it's an honor. Well, it was chosen by David. Uh, lovely patron of ours. Yeah, David Malfara have been he's been supporting the show for a long time, but he's been supporting the show with ulterior motives. It turns out, mm. you never, you know, friends, friends, <laughs> friends don't lie. I had a funny expression to pull out of my hat, and then just you tried to hit me with a life as a, like a box of chocolates. Yeah, but you couldn't think of just one. Just nothing, <laughs> and I scrambled and I panicked. Well, David Malfara became a patron uh, all the way back in February. With the uh, the intent of saying, hey, I'm supporting you guys at this tier because I want you to cover this specific movie, Forrest Gump. Because my wife, Sarah, is a huge fan of streaming things and she's a huge fan of Forrest Gump. So I wanted to uh, make this her birthday present. So this episode is actually releasing on Tuesday, August 15th, which is her birthday. Happy birthday, so Sarah. So happy birthday, Sarah. This is... This is your your episode. Your loving husband, David, chose it for you. It's lovely. What a lovely story. Long time planning of this, right? This has been uh, just the plot has just been steaming. <laughs> just the plot. <laughs> the first message that David sent to uh, sent us is all the way back February 4th to try to get this you know, That's love. put together. Yeah. And, you know, th- th- he's been supporting us this entire time, too. It's not like, hey, I paid for my yeah. month of free movies. Or a free movie choice, and he I'm could out. have done that. He could have done that. We wouldn't but have faulted him. No, not at all. But he like he stayed a, a a big supporter of the show for a long time. I hope he enjoys being that. And uh, Sarah, ha- happy birthday! I hope you're going to enjoy this episode. Of yeah, Forrest Gump. Yeah, I hate this movie. <laughs> <laughs> not true, not true. But that would be funny. That would be a plot twist. Here you go, David. <laughs> Let me proceed to shit all over <laughs> the movie. <laughs> a lot of people do though. So, uh, yeah, this is a phenomenon that you weren't even aware of. I wasn't aware. Well, first, let's talk about what we think about it. And then we can circle back to that. I want to before we do any of that, I want to talk about how you uh, your just lovely pronunciation of February where you lean into the R as you're supposed to February. I feel like most people give it up. They're like, you know what? Nobody like you. Yeah. Nobody likes that R there. Nobody's (laughs) going to fault me if I just breeze right past it. February, February. That's very acceptable. I think February, but you said, nay, mm. I'm going to read it. There's an R there. Okay? There's, I'm not going to just act like there's not an R. Let's talk about the R in the room. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> February. And I respect <laughs> it. Yeah. Thank you. 
I never thought about it much before until just now. <laughs> I'm glad I was able to uh, bring that to your mind. You know what I mean, though? That is true. I guess I never thought that I lean into it. And I don't think you lean. Don't. I think you just acknowledge, mm-hmm. you know, and that R appreciates you. <laughs> After decades of being ignored, Steve, mm-hmm. Steve May 13 is here to stand up for me. So, yeah, let's talk about our overall like history with the film of Forrest Gump. And uh, and then what it was like rewatching at this time, followed by a scene by scene, play by play recap of the movie. And uh, Steve, I'll, I'll tell you, I'll start us off. Oh, please do. Long time. Big, big fan of Forrest Gump. Oh, yeah. Yeah. In 1994, I was six years old. Uh, didn't understand any of the references or jokes. Didn't know who the Kennedys were. Didn't know who Nixon was. But the funny voice. Loved it. Mm hmm. Loved it. You love the running. Janae. All the time. My school bus was just rife with Forrest Gump impersonations. I mean, this movie was in the culture. Mm -hmm. And uh, I watched it many times uh, as an adolescent and quite a few times as an adult. And I have to say, I'm unabashedly uh, a fan. You know, I unironically enjoyed it Mm -hmm. every single time, including last night. And uh, even though I am now aware as a member of film Twitter <laughs> uh, that the the perception publicly around Forrest Gump has changed somewhat as it, you know, as it's is fair criticism, society grows. We look at old pieces of art in, in different lights, different perspectives as we should. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, but we'll talk about that soon. Steve, mm. what are your what's your history with Forrest Gump? Do you have any? I have. A, and how do you feel about shrimp? Uh, I love shrimp. There's you, a lot of ways. You do actually. That you you can, love seafood. I do love seafood. It's yeah. I, I <laughs> eat that shit up. I was at an event last night shooting one or uh, filming one and shooting a shrimp. Sh- and <laughs> well, they had that a seems giant. Unnecessary. I know, so, <laughs> give me your money, shrimp. <laughs> no. Uh, but they had a giant ice sculpture with like a ton of like lobster and oh, crab right. legs. That sounds and like it a was fancy event. Killing me that I couldn't have any. You weren't allowed. Well, I was working. Yeah, but you could just dip a dip a shrimp into some. Horseradish sauce. Yeah, just yeah, go to the client and be like, what's that? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, I I really, really, really honestly love this movie. Like you, I was younger when it came up, when it first came out. And you know, you just had the voice, the impressions. This is one of the most quotable movies of all time, I think. It's just like scene after scene after scene. It's a really funny line or a great quote. And then with the delivery that Tom Hanks is delivering it, it's just so uh, charming and fun. And as a person who loves fun voices, like, you know, that's a fun one to do. Uh, But like also my life has really strange moments that have happened in it as a direct result of this movie in a in a very interesting way. Okay. Um. I I will save those stories for when we get to the moments in the movie that inspired them. But yeah, there's a couple times in my life where like something strange or I got in trouble or someone yelled at me as a direct result of this movie. And it's kind of a funny story. But I, I love this movie. I, I literally I think I cried like six or seven times watching this movie. <laughs> this movie will make you cry like on an instant and then like the very next scene make you just so hopeful. <laughs> It's it's a a good type of emotional roller coaster. No, I yeah I, I cry I cried multiple times last night and I you know it's just always been a, a a cry movie for me and um you know I was kind of as an maybe as an ignorant person of privilege a little taken aback a few years ago when I realized that a lot of people 
kind of look sourly back at this movie now. Um, and so I did some digging and, you know, maybe not a responsible amount of digging, but I read around, I read a few articles and some like reviews of my friends on Letterboxd and stuff. And I think the general consensus um, is that there's a lot of like, I viewed it, I don't want to say that, but there's revisionist history, obviously, in this movie. That's kind of yeah. the point of it. Like, it's the shtick. It's the joke, right? Right. And the fact that it places a white man at the center of all of these um, pivotal moments in history. And a white man who is characterized, I think, by um, just towing the line, doing what he's told, ignoring everything, and therefore just succeeding because of that. I think there's a, a lot of criticism that it sends a terrible message that... Mm -hmm. Just do what you're told. Don't think about too many things. Join the military. You know what I mean? It'll, it's gonna, everything's going to work out great. Um, and I, I might be phrasing the criticism of this movie very poorly, but this is just what I've gathered, you know. And then there's the character of Jenny, um, who was abused as a child, um, re rebelled at every turn, like, you know, protested the Vietnam War, was always uh, on the front lines of of doing the opposite of what she was told, trying to, trying to um, you know, uh, think outside the box as it were. She had big dreams, you know, wanted to be Joan Baez. Uh, whereas Forrest was kind of just like, oh, whatever. You I know? like Ping Paul. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and then her character ends, you know, she died, I think of AIDS, you know, that's what I've always surmised. Hep C. Hep C. Yeah. There's a, um, there's a, I guess there's a, so this movie is based off a book and I guess they wrote a sequel. Very loosely is my yes. understanding. Yeah, but they wrote a, a, a there's some sort of sequel. I wrote it down um, where in the the sequel novel it says that she died of Hep C, which that makes way more sense. Which would make a lot of sense because you know that could be a, something carried off in like drugs that popularly at the time, and there wasn't a cure for it at the time of her death, right. which was the early '80s. Yes. Um, so yeah, apparently that's what it is, but it's never explicitly said in the movie, and Robert Zemeckis actually wouldn't say what it was either like he never even told robin wright what it was on yeah. when they were shooting it was just this big mystery well i've always been confused by that because i'm like wouldn't forrest gump jr have uh hiv if that's what had killed his mother and but I guess he would have hep c too but anyway um you know she doesn't really get much happiness or end well at all and it just seems really unfair to her character uh, but there's a lot of other criticism. I mean, he's just right smack dab in the middle of the Black Panther movement, you know, poking fun at the whole. And it's not a great look. There's a lot of stuff that's not a great look optics wise. And I totally get that. Mm -hmm. um, however, um, I don't know if it's my 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 love for this movie and my nostalgia for it and my privilege speaking when it's like because I don't think it's fair for me to say, well, that doesn't. I don't see it that way and it doesn't bother me because it's like it's not for me to say if it's bothersome or, or, or not really. Mm -hmm. um, but I can say I, I don't think it's that I don't I don't think it's insidious. Like the character is not is not one of power. He's right. A, it's a man with an IQ of 75 um, who just it, it, the whole ethos of the movie, it seems to me, and beginning and ending with that feather and his speech to to Jenny's grave at the end. Um, the way I read that, the way he says, like, I don't know if we're floating accidental like on a breeze or, or it's destiny. I think it's both. Like That's such a great impression. <laughs> That's so because, good. Because I think <laughs> I, I, I really that hits me because it's like he succeeds. That Yes, there's lots of luck and I'm sure lots of privilege, but also he succeeds. I think the movie is trying to say because of his unwavering um optimism and and willingness to look for the best in people mm -hmm. and and willingness to go with the flow yeah right 
Hence the feather. Like you just kind of floating around. You go where it takes you. You don't fight it. You try to see the best in every situation uh, and things might work out. It's, it's So it's an overly optimistic point of view. And I acknowledge that not everybody has the privilege of going with the flow. Right. Right. I acknowledge that. But this is a movie trying mm-hmm. to say something. It might be an Oscar bait film. You know, you, there's all kinds of cri- criticism you could levy at it. But I still I believe in the overall. It, it warms me. The message warms me. Mm-hmm. Sue me. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> but but I don't want to just outright dismiss the criticism that has come out in the last 10 years or so. Um, also, I'll let you talk in a second, I swear to God, <laughs> but also I think a lot of it is in retrospect. When you look at some of the other films at the time, like this movie won six Oscars, including best directing and best picture, uh, other movies at the time nominated Pulp Fiction, uh, Shawshank Redemption. You know what I mean? And so I think when you look at the movies that have stood the test of time and look back, I think m- most people would be like, should we have given best picture to Shawshank? Should we have given it to Pulp Fiction? Probably, you know, uh, best picture, not a category famous for always picking the best movie of the year, though, mm-hmm. anyway, you know, um, and then, yeah, I mean, other- that's a tough year. I mean, Pulp Fiction and Shawshank. Yes. And this movie, as far as movies that like, I would have changed- given it to Shawshank. But holy shit, that's a that's a stellar trio. <laughs> yeah, we also had uh, Interview with the Vampire, Legends of the Fall. Um, so many movies came out just in 1994 alone. It's one of the most famous um, years of changing cinema of all time. Was that Clerks or was Clerks 93? Clerks was that year. I mean, this was the 94 was like the indie film renaissance. Yeah. Because you had Richard Linklater uh, uh, coming out. You had Robert Rodriguez coming out. You had Kevin Smith. You had Quentin Tarantino. Um, from 92 to 94, all that stuff came out, you know. So uh, also Speed. We can't forget Speed. Oh, you cannot forget Speed. My I would have given Best Picture to Speed personally. <laughs> I mean, you can't go over 55, under 55. It's, yeah. I mean, that's a whole movie. Uh, Ed Wood. Um, oh, Ed Wood. Fucking Lion King. Jesus. What yeah. a great year. What what a wild time. Junior. <laughs> Junior. Isn't that the movie with Arnold Schwarzenegger where he's pregnant? Is it? I don't know. I've never seen that one of that. I, I have not seen. I know the like box art, like the movie poster you're talking about, but yes. I never saw that movie. That's a classic. Uh, Junior. Anyway, what are your thoughts on all that? I know you weren't really even aware of it because uh, you're you're blessedly ignorant of film Twitter and stuff. Right? Yeah, so. I, I don't interact with film Twitter. Um, yeah, it shocked me. It's one of those things like you shocked me and then I'm watching the movie. I'm like, OK, I could see where someone gets there. But I also think that's um, a lot. <clears throat> I, I struggle to say that a lot of the people I think that are levying of those criticisms are also super privileged and cynical in their movie tastes uh just because you show, you sent me some people and i like know there's a viewers i'm like okay that makes sense <laughs> uh but <laughs> but i but i understand like i think i can see where someone gets there i mean obviously there's like some scenes that don't look good in in the modern lens right but this movie is also what 30 years old it's almost 30 almost years old 30 yeah. years old and you know um the movie's supposed to take place between like the the 50s through like the the mid 80s Mm-hmm. And it's I always took this movie as a very uh, optimistic sort of uh, story about America in terms of like Forrest Gump is playing a young um, America like he is a vessel for which we see the country. Mm-hmm. But like in the most optimistic point of view, like this is the type of 
patriotism. Like I'm not super into like jingoism when it comes to my patriotic movies. Like I'm not, I hate jingoism, but I like the American experience story. And so it literally begins with a guy, a, a kid born who's named after the founder of the Ku Klux Klan. Yeah. So it's, this, I took a note of that. Like, uh Oh, it's, well, it's this, <laughs> it's this person who's born with this awful history that maybe he, you know, that, he did, he wasn't a part of, but that history is still there, right? Mm-hmm. Like his physical being wasn't there, but it influences everything about My mama him. said she named me that to remind me sometimes people do silly things yeah, <laughs> <laughs> or things that don't make no sense. And yeah, he's going through like all these big, important uh, moments in history of like this very tumultuous, like he's in college. That's the, the 60s protest era. You know, he's young. He's finding out who he is. And then it ends with him sort of, you know having finally uh matured but also kind of like reminiscing about like wow what a journey i've been on and i think that's the thing this movie does best and that is the act of nostalgia and reminiscing because it really i find myself talking it makes me feel the way i feel when i talk about stories of my past like reminiscent maybe a little sad maybe a little hopeful like and longing for what once was and maybe wishing i did things different like the way that he tells his stories i think is a very um true part of like what a human spirit is when they're recounting their own tale in life and that's Mm -hmm. why i always like this movie because i like people telling their story like you could literally have I think you could put any, you can make this movie about literally anybody and follow anybody's life. And and it'll be very different, right? Depending on whose story is being told. But I think it would still be a good movie because I'm super into people like, this is my story and this is how it happened. And I think this movie is really, really good at hammering that feeling and that nostalgia home. And I, I, I just like the journey it takes you on it. It feels really and it's optimistic too. So you don't watch yeah. it and like this movie ends and there is like this bittersweetness to the way this movie ends. A super, super hopeful movie ends in kind of a, a, a downer, but still with hope for the future. And I think that, I think that is such a, like we're constantly dealing with that as human beings. You might be like, Oh man, what a time. I'm a little sad that that time's over. I'm kind of scared of what's coming up ahead, but I'm hopeful. Yeah. I agree with you. And I don't, I, I, I I'm kind of ignorant and ill-equipped um, politically because some of the criticism levied against this movie is just really over my head, if I'm being quite honest. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's irresponsible of me because I didn't educate myself in those ways. But people have talked about um, the, the Clinton era uh, as one uh, that was kind of like um, liberal in a way that was a lie. And that was kind yeah. of through that lens of America that this movie was made. And, you know, I was five years old when all that was going on and, and I have no idea, you know, all mm-hmm. I remember is him playing the saxophone and the blowjob stuff. <laughs> That's it. And some Bob Dole jokes I didn't get. And that was it, you know, a <laughs> bunch of SNL jokes I didn't understand. Um, I do think there's an overly optimistic by far portrait of America in this movie. Yeah. But I also think, um, I don't think that that, I don't, I don't see this movie as propaganda or anything insidious though. I yeah. think it more like a, a, um, a, a purposeful, um, obfuscation of that in order to hope mm-hmm. for something better. You know, um, I don't look at something like Paddington and go, you know, huh, ignoring a lot of the world's pain. You know, I just, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. sometimes you just need something hopeful. And, and this movie, like I remember, um, gosh, I'm going to sound like a fucking idiot right now. Okay. Uh, but like Obama used to always say things about, 
the constitution and how, you know, a lot of people like all men are created equal, that type of shit. And like, mm-hmm. Oh, that's not true. That's not true. And Obama used to always say like, you know, th- yes, that document isn't necessarily true, but it's a, it's a waypoint to go towards. It's, mm-hmm. it's a promise of what we can be. And that's what I, that's what I equate this movie to be. Like, it's not speaking of some of the awful shit that's gone on in our country and the things that like we have collectively as a society have to reckon with and all that, but it is a waypoint of what we could be. Like stupid is it, a stupid does. Stupid is a stupid does. If we just strip back a lot of the shit, maybe, and like, and like take our egos out of the equation and just focus on the task at hand, maybe we'll get things done. I don't know. Yeah. No, I, I agree with you. And, and, um, I struggle, I, I struggle a lot and I, I legitimately don't know the answer. And I've promised we'll get into our Sufi goofy silliness here soon. Sufi, um, <laughs> <laughs> because there's, uh, people should not tell stories about other cultures, other people, um, that they don't have the lived experience of, right? Yes. That I understand. Yeah. So I should not tell uh, a story about what it's like to be a native American. I should not tell even stories about women. You know, I don't know what it's like to be a woman. Um, I can have stories with native Americans and women in them, but I should not like the central point should not be their perspective because I don't know it. Right. Right. That makes sense to me. But also, um, I don't know how to even word this thing that I'm confused about. Like when Oppenheimer came out recently, right? There was a lot of criticism about how Christopher Nolan ignored the Japanese perspective and what happened when they dropped the bomb. Right. And I thought that that was such a stupid criticism to levy at the film because had Christopher Nolan showed a bunch of Japanese people being incinerated by this bomb and showed their, their lives and how they were affected, he would have gotten so much shit. <clears throat> as a white dude talking about what it's like mm-hmm. to be uh, a Japanese person like being hit with this bomb. Right. And so I thought he did uh, the the perfect, right, respectful thing of just showing um, Oppenheimer's horror and like the, the one charred husk that we got yeah. vision of that. And it, like it said everything it needed to say without him overstepping his like lived experience and personal knowledge. Right. Yeah. And, and I so, think that's almost more heavy to show it that way than just like being like, look at this, look at everyone dying. I thought that would have been so disrespectful, but I don't know. I'm not, I'm not Japanese. Right. I'm just saying like, yeah, like, so I get confused. And so yes, there's, um, a lot of, of, of BIPOC experience just completely erased in this vision of America. And it's, I understand the criticism about that, but at the same time, it's like if Robert Zemeckis had like dared, I don't know, you know what I mean? It's just like, how could he speak any more than the way he spoke? Mm-hmm. Um, I th- yeah, the only the only issue that I have with the movie personally that I think is like a, a, a deliberate choice that I think maybe is a bad one is the idea of like making the act of protest look s- silly and dumb. Yes. Because none and, of the and, protesters really look come out looking good in this no. movie. And these are people who are actually like fighting for. He made the Black Panthers look really silly. Uh, but also like even like that one protest leader. Uh, that Jenny dates mm-hmm. was just like some abusive asshole. And that was yeah. like, you know what I mean? Yeah. I, so I agree that and that whole s- sequence was pretty uncomfortable as a, in my thirties watching that. I was like, Oh, I get, I get that, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I'm with you on that. I'm also going to do big, the accent a lot and I don't apologize for <laughs> I, that. Yeah. Don't apologize. <laughs> cause a big, a big thing in the story and it sucks. Cause like Jenny goes through so much bullshit in this movie to, and yeah, hell and, and a ton of people still kind of like, man, Jenny sucks. Like there's this, there's this like kind of conversation about like, man, she treats Forrest so poorly. And it's like, she really 
it's no, like she's going through a lot of shit that we don't get to see that's affecting her life. And she goes through hell and she's on her own journey. And eventually she comes around to the idea of like, well, this dude takes care of me, but that's a hard position to be in. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I just don't understand the hate that Jenny gets. But anyway, the point I was trying to make was there's, there's two sort of Jenny and Forrest are like these two metaphorical journeys. Like Forrest is able to run fast and just keep physically run fast and run all the time. But Jenny's always running from to find something else, right? She's trying to fly away and be that bird and get and go far away from where she was abused and uh, born into. But the the thing where like Forrest kind of deviates is like there's a line in the Vietnam sequence where he says like I ran so far I was by myself and that's a bad thing. So then he comes back and starts helping the people that mm. were close to him. Whereas Jenny never she she comes to that realization far later in life. And but they they get to the same point like hey run. Running is good and can save you from danger sometimes, but you have to come back and help the people in your life as well. Mm -hmm. And they're on the same journey. They just get to the destination a little bit differently. And so it's like, guys, don't make, don't, don't throw shit at Jenny. (laughs) Definitely no shade at Jenny. Seriously. What the hell? No, that's, that will not stand. Jenny. That will not stand. Well, are you ready to do this? Let's do it. All right. Uh, it, it, It all starts with that fucking feather, right? Uh, it's floating accidental, like on a breeze lands at Forrest's feet. And I love, I don't know if I've ever really thought about this before, but he's wearing the shoes. That's Isn't what it, they, that Jenny gave him yeah. that he ran across the country a million times with. That's why they look crazy shitty. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they would actually have been probably like destroyed. Incinerated, yeah. Incinerated, but they are pretty bad, but they would have been like falling apart. Um, but those are Nikes, baby. They last. Yeah, they do. (laughs) (laughs) But anyway, he picks up the feather, puts it in his Curious George book. And in his suitcase, we see everything, all the little like memorabilia that we're about to see throughout the movie in that suitcase. Uh, and he puts the feather for some reason in the Curious George book and puts it back there. Um, and it's the idea that life sort of goes where it will. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's the whole idea behind the feather. Um, and he's at the bus stop. And then I like this cool narrative device. Like you said that, like, we get him telling his story. Um, and the funny thing, he, like some lady sits down next to him and he goes, hello, my name's Forrest. Forrest gone. And it, like, what a fucking nightmare. If you <laughs> yeah. are just waiting on your bus. <laughs> this, I am this first woman he talks to. Cause she's like not into it. Like the whole time she's yeah. there, I would be uh-huh. that person. Like, uh-huh. <laughs> cool. <laughs> Leave me alone, please. <laughs> Those look like comfortable shoes. <laughs> I bet you could oh run around and choose like that all day and not feel a thing. Uh. <laughs> Tom Hanks is so fucking good in this. And like the like, way, just the way he hurt. even points at her shoes with is so out. funny with the thumb out. Like yeah. those look like comfortable shoes. Like, <laughs> Oh, I love him. By the way, his accent was an accident. Are you aware of this? Yeah. Um, the, the, the child actor who played young Forrest Gump was from Mississippi and he like emphasized the G's on the Ings and stuff. And yeah, he actually talks like that. Yeah. Bob Zemeckis came up to, to Tom and was like, dude, what are we going to do? We, I, you need to make him talk like you. And Tom said, well, what, why don't I just talk like him? Uh, and that's the whole, the most iconic quotable accent of all time came from the kid. Michael just, Connor Humphreys. Yeah. He just mm-hmm. spoke like that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he's like, my mom always said you could tell a lot about a man by his shoes. Where he's going. Where they where being. being. <laughs> where they going. Where they being. <laughs> Did you, so like, it's hard to imagine anybody else but Tom Hanks in this role. Oh, it would never have worked. Have you heard like who was 
also considered for this? Please tell me. Okay, so the studios, or actually Bill Murray, John Travolta, and Chevy Chase turned down the role. John Travolta. Bill Paxton was Robert Zemeckis' first choice, but the studio wanted a, a you know someone with more power, so they went with uh, Tom Hanks. But uh, the novel's author, Winston Groom, uh, always envisioned John Goodman. <laughs> because in the novel, Forrest Gump is a heavy set guy yeah. or a heavier guy. And so he always picks I, I kind of want to see the John Goodman version of this movie. <laughs> Something bit me, Donnie. <laughs> <laughs> You're out of your element, Donnie. <laughs> Am I the only one around here playing by the rules? <laughs> but yeah, like, can you imagine any of those people? In this movie and not no, Tom Hanks? No, I mean, this nuts. this movie only works with Tom Hanks. Um, but he starts to reminisce right there on that park bench. We go back to him as a child when he first received his magic shoes, uh, <laughs> his leg braces. His back is as crooked as a politician. His, I could have swore he said crooked, crooked as a question mark. Oh, they say that later. Is that one later? Mama's, okay. Mama says that about Mama. him later, yeah. Sally Field. Uh, so, yeah, he's got leg braces on. Um, and then we find out she named him after the founder of the Ku Klux Klan to remind him <laughs> that sometimes people do things that don't make sense. Um, and she's got this giant, gorgeous home in Alabama that they rent out to tourists and travelers. And that's how they make their living. Probably a plantation home. Early Airbnb. <laughs> 100% a plantation home. Yeah. Uh, again, not talked about, understand the criticism, right? Yep. Um, and the, she goes to try to get him into a normal school because his IQ is only 75 and she wants him to have a normal education and he's below the line. He's going to have to go to a special school. Um, the principal's a creep. And uh, is there a Mr. Gump? <laughs> Mrs. Gump? He's on vacation. <laughs> and then he sounds, the guy makes the sex noises that like tortoises make when they're having sex. Yeah, when he, ejac- <laughs> when he ejaculates... <laughs> He sounds like a wounded dolphin, which young Forrest picks up on as a strange thing. Boy, your mama sure does care about your schooling. Mm-mm-mm. Your mama sure does care about your schooling. I, I, I miss she that. Was, she was what? She was putting it down. Down. Is what that means. <laughs> it's terrible. Um, I miss the, the era where we would just, uh, like, dudes would just carry giant blanket-sized handkerchiefs and like always dab it on your forehead like oh boy it is hotter than the dickens <laughs> well there's no ac and this is the hot south man yeah I, I just love the image of someone with a giant handkerchief blotting their forehead bring it back start carrying a hanky okay you know i, I think that's what i say you should do i will but as a kid i can i can still remember the long period of many watches where i did not understand this scene so <laughs> you know what i mean i did not know they were having sex yeah so it's just this do you remember the first time it clicked for you? We were like, oh, sex. I don't remember that, but I do remember just uh, distinctly, you know, when Forrest is like, <laughs> and just being like, he guy's freaked out because he's doing that for no reason. You know what I mean? <laughs> I understand. I Le- would run away too. Yeah, leave the porch. <laughs> um, mom just wanted to talk to him late at night and now he's in the school. I don't I, understand what's going on. I like to imagine. And he was worried about whether or not she had a husband. I'd like to imagine modern day Forrest is recreating that noise to the woman on the park bench that he's telling the story to. And then I was all like, <laughs> <"Had him." laughs> yeah, he was telling that part of the story. So, but I, I, I laugh so hard thinking about what force is actually telling people on the park bench. Yeah, the certain- whole idea that most of these people don't want this story. It's so funny it's to me. It's so funny to me. And my own aversion to talking to strangers, usually in public. Yeah. With, and I identify more with them. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, for sure. But, 
We cut to the next scene. She's reading him the Curious George book that we've already seen as a bedtime story. It's a cool touch. Uh, and then he asks what vacation means because he heard her say that. And she lies to him. And I don't know how long he thought vacation was this. And it kind of <laughs> vacations where you go away and you never come back. That's why I never go on vacation. Yeah, because I always come back. I always come back. I was at a job once and they told me I had a vacation and I got real sad. I he, guess I can't come back here no more. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully she fixed that. Uh, we find out that Elvis stayed in the house. And this is the first of a long string of like seminal American events that Forrest was at the heart of. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's just a running joke. And directly influences in some cases. Yeah, he taught Elvis how to dance. Yeah. Do you know who did the voice for Kurt Elvis? Kurt Russell, baby. <laughs> I didn't even know this until recently. 3,000 Miles to Graceland. Here we go. I haven't thought about that movie in forever. Yeah. Wow. Kurt Russell apparently does a great Elvis Presley. He's a very avid Elvis fan. So that's the voice of Kurt Russell. As soon as he spoke, I, I that's cause Kurt Russell has one of those voices. Like you recognize though, the voice, yeah. Even though he's he's doing Elvis Presley, I'm like, is that Kurt Russell? Because also I knew he was in Three Thousand Miles of Graceland. Yeah, like that would make so much sense if it was. So I immediately looked up, like, ha, called wow, it. that's impressive. Called it. I just happened to learn that tidbit recently. Um, must be hard being a king. <laughs> uh, and then Young Forest's first day at school, we see uh, oh Dorothy. God, yes. Was it Dorothy Harris? Uh, the bus driver smoking a cigarette. Uh, the vampire? <laughs> yes. This woman's a vampire. Yeah. I cannot be unconvinced that she is not a vampire. Because she looks the same. Yeah. At the end of the movie, she's, they didn't try to age her. Nah. She's just, there she is. <laughs> it's those cigarettes, man. They're keeping her alive, baby. Made you like fine wine. This is one of the, again, this movie's so quotable. How often in your life have you gone, slate's taken. You can sit here if you want to. <laughs> a million times. Anytime there's even the idea of sitting or looking for a seat, this scene comes to mind. Seats taken. There it's are a, a couple kids that made me laugh where it's it's a two seat, you know, on each side. I know. It's like he's and not going to sit there anyway. And there's, you know, the seats are already taken. Like, seats taken. Like, I, I know. <laughs> <laughs> I can see that. I'm, I may not be a smart man, but I, I know, know what taken is. What a two seater is. <laughs> <laughs> it's the last kid that gets me where he's like, uh, what's he say? Can't sit here. It's just like, <laughs> relax, jabroni. Like, yeah, these kids are they they like, why would they I why would they immediately just shit all over this poor boy? Well, kids are mean. Mm -hmm. This is real. I think this is the most believable scene in the movie. You're different than me. Yeah. Your leg <laughs> braces and stuff. Now, why they would like throw rocks at his fucking forehead, that seems unnecessary. Uh, maybe that's my privilege speaking, but they would definitely be mean. Like, fuck this guy for sure. Especially mm -hmm. when he's outside the bus. Like, Baba said, I kick ride with strangers. This is the bus to school. Like, you know, they're listening to that whole interaction. Like, oh, fuck this guy. <laughs> you know? Yeah, the whole conversation of like, I, I, well, my name's Forrest Gump, and guess I'm we ain't strangers Harris. no more. Yeah. Guess we, yeah, like that's that speaks to who Forrest is. Where yeah, I could see where he would be like kind of annoying to have around, but he's also so genuinely adorable and whimsically sweet. Yeah, like you just can't like like you could see Dorothy, the bus driver, just melt immediately. Like, all right, this kid's okay. You want a cigarette? <laughs> <laughs> you come find me if you want some Paul Malls. <laughs> For sure. But yeah, then this is where he meets Jenny, right? You can sit here if you want to. The most beautiful sound I've ever heard. And then people throughout this movie bluntly ask him, Jenny's the first one. Are you stupid or something? <laughs> My mama says stupid is as stupid, stupid does. does. That's another thing I didn't understand as a kid. 
I still right. don't really understand what stupid is as stupid does. I mean, nobody's stupid. There's you can just you can do stupid shit, right? Mm-hmm. That's what it means. Oh, I think okay. I like it. I thought it was just a, a phrase that didn't make sense. It was doubly funny that he would just respond like, "Are you stupid?" Well, stupid is as stupid does. Like, I think it means stupid is not an IQ number. Stupid is uh, your stupid actions. People who do stupid shit are stupid. Mm. St- Forrest doesn't do stupid shit. He's actually quite successful. Yeah, he's very successful. <laughs> <laughs> he's the most um, successful person in this movie. That's right. Um, now, you may not believe me. But I can run like the wind blows. Um, <laughs> he's so proud. So he, we go through the whole montage of him hanging out with Jenny all the time. We, we were like peas and carrots. And <laughs> Jenny, But Jenny never wanted to go home. And we get this horrible scene. Again, watching it as an adult. Terrible, terrifying scene, right? Like it's just where, uh, you know, we talk about her. Her daddy was a very loving man. Like it's disgusting, right? So she's being abused mm-hmm. at her home. Her and her sisters, who we never meet, um, she does her prayer, make me like a bird, so I can fly far, far away from. Yeah, me. and before that, we get this the iconic scene where it's all slow mo. It's actually kind of cheesy, right? Like watching it this time, like run forest, run. Like, but it is. And I love that when his braces start breaking off in slow motion. And there's a shot where the boy just like looks up like, Oh, I'm <laughs> going. <laughs> that shot cracks me up every time. Cause it's Be- so cheesy. I think it doesn't work like it should now because like he never looks like there's anything wrong with him. Like, you know, it says his back's as crooked as a politician. Is it, you know, like there's no like um, triumphant it relief. Works. It works for me. It's, I mean, as a scene, as a kid, this scene was like, oh, he's a running. He's a running. <laughs> um, and that's the advice he's been given his whole life is just run for us, run. Right? I do love the juxtaposition when he sells, tells that part and like the him, him running is in slow motion. It's so epic. And it cuts to him on the park bench. And the woman's like just reading her people. Magazine. <laughs> yeah. And he's just, just so proud of it. The fuck out of it. You may not believe me, but I can run like that's the wind win. blows. <laughs> uh, yeah. And then we get the Jenny stuff. And then uh, she ends up living with a grandma. She does go to live with her, which is but, closer to forest. That grandma had a mean dog. Yeah. I think she came over because she was scared of that dog. <laughs> yeah. uh, <laughs> we cut to him in high school as a, as Tom Hanks and kids are now chasing him in a truck instead of bikes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's still just run forest running. And then he runs all the way across the, the, the local football stadium and the, catches the eye of the coach. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so many funny scenes. But one of my favorites, one of my like 10 favorites is when the guy, the quarterback just hands him the ball as he's zoning out. <laughs> yeah, he's and he so goes, dumb. run. And he goes, OK, OK. <laughs> <laughs> and then he so runs good. a hundred yard touchdown, uh, but he then keeps going. <laughs> and goes all the way into like wherever that goes, the stadium somewhere. He's the dumbest son of a bitch I ever met, but he sure is fast. <laughs> <laughs> and they take uh, high school and college football very seriously, by the way, in the South. I remember that from Remember the Titans. Roll Tide. <laughs> is that a thing they say in Alabama? Uh, I think so. Okay. That is the thing. Roll t- What's that mean? I don't know. Mm. Uh, something to do with detergent. Oh. And what to do afterward, I guess. I guess they're really into sponsorships down there. They are. Roll the Tide. <laughs> uh, there is. And we get the integration uh, sequence and uh, Forrest is the f- floating in the old stock footage. And it's the first one of those scenes that we get. <laughs> the CGI didn't hold up. No, I like, was actually shocked at how like Kennedy talking and yeah. stuff. I was like, wow. 
I was actually shocked at how poorly it, it held up. Cause I remember thinking like, wow, that's so seamless. Looks like he's there. Yeah. He's there. And then you watch it today. You're like, Oh, as long as you don't watch the actual footage characters, like our mouths. mouths. And stuff. Yeah. That's when it's really bad. I believe it's both said they have to be like, it's, it's, <laughs> it's like a dubbed anime or something. Um, but yeah, uh, I, I, yeah, this, this, uh, his coaches, I think are shocked that Forrest actually like crosses the line to help, a. A, a girl of an African-American woman who's like attending the school for the first time. Cause that's se- segregation and governor, yeah, they're all very racist. And yeah. Governor Forrest Wallace is like, is like given his like super racist speech about like, and it's kind of pressing today. Cause he's like, cause he's commenting about how the national guard is there to enforce segregation. And Wallace is specifically going, this country is on a trend towards military dictatorship. Like, Oh, you guys haven't changed. <laughs> Not even a little bit. Not even a little bit. Um, and his, his bus buddy gets on the number four bus and she's so happy to be getting away from him. Cause he's like, is that my bus? And she's like, no, no, it's mine. Stay this here. Is the number four. You stay. Um, but a new woman and, and her son arrived. Yeah. And it's a good transition into the college section. Cause she was like, I remember when that happened. I was in college. And did you go to a college of just girls or girls and boys? Because uh, <laughs> Jenny was in a college just for girls. So he wasn't allowed to go there or he would have. But he did get into college on a football scholarship, which yeah. is funny. Um, I don't know if he could have gone where she went, even if it <laughs> it was co-ed. Well, he's waiting for Jenny with the chocolates and he always gives her chocolates. Right. So because he's sitting on the park bench with some chocolates. Mm-hmm. But then when we cut back to him visiting her girls school, he's sitting there with chocolates. So it's just like a thing he always does. And yeah. that's a cool touch. Um, she shows up with a date and they're fooling around in the car. Billy. He misunderstands uh, because she does say ow. But mm-hmm. so he goes in and starts beating the shit out of the dude. <laughs> and she comes out like, Forrest, what the fuck? And dude gets mad and leaves. But she takes him into her dorm. And this is where we get the scene about her dreams. Like, do you have dreams, Forrest? She wants to be famous like Joan Baez. She wants to be a musician. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she sits down, notices that he's staring at her brassiere because she's in her underwear. And uh, the scene is really weird at the end. And again, it's I haven't really thought of it this way as an adult ever, because that's like just the roommate sitting there petrified. <laughs> but um, I forgot the roommate was there. I, so this is a scene I never understood as a kid what was going on. Oh, that he ejaculated. Ejaculated. Yeah. So, yeah. I, and I actually didn't remember this as and I've watched this as an adult, but I didn't He's remember like, I'm this. Dizzy. So, yeah, <laughs> watching it last night, I was cracking up like, I'm dizzy. <laughs> I think I ruined your roommate's bathrobe. Yeah. <laughs> so I love this. she said something like she's like, have you ever been with a woman before for it's like I, I sit with them all the time at home at class <laughs> yeah, i sit with i sit next to them at home economics all the time and then she says something like bet that never happens at home ec- in a home economics no <laughs> it class, does not that class would be awesome if it did um wish that i busted more nuts at home ec. <laughs> <laughs> i'm sorry <laughs> Um, but then they have a stop forest sign above the stadium uh, where he always runs too far. And the whole like band is like, no, 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 no. Yeah. It's something that he does a lot. So he gets on the All-American football team. That's how good he is. That's how he gets to meet President Kennedy. And he drinks uh, must have been 15 Dr. Peppers. Dr. Peppers. Because he wasn't hungry. He was thirsty. They was free. Uh, also, so number two of my top 10 favorite moments of this movie after the meeting with Kennedy He's standing, I gotta pee. He, no, not even that. He, it's when he graduates and he's standing there with his mom with his cap and gown getting his picture taken and the military recruiter comes up and he goes, have you ever given any thought to your future, son? His reply, 
thought. (laughs) (laughs) No, he doesn't think about anything except Jenny. Thought. And Dr. Pepper. Uh, So then apparently he just joins the army for no particular reason. And I also love uh, every time because we get like, what, five, six assassinations in this movie. Yeah. Every single time. And it's okay. It might be like pseudo deep. I don't care. I like it where he says, and for no particular reason, they shot that man. Like for no particular, his understanding is like, I just don't, why would you, he wasn't doing anything. He was just standing outside talking to people. Why would you shoot him? Kind of yeah. thing. You know what yeah, I mean? He doesn't, like, he doesn't understand the politics that are happening around him. And nor like, should you, you know what I mean? Like it should never be okay to just like take, yeah. take somebody's life. Right. And I know right. you understand. I know you agree with that. I'm just saying like, I yeah. think that's the forest simplified way of just saying, why'd you do that? You yeah. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, anyway. Uh, but yes, he, he, uh, uh, where was I at in the story though? He's joining the army. He tries to introduce yes. himself to the bus driver of the army bus. And like, <laughs> I don't give a rat's ass who you are. And he's just yelling at him. And I love Tom Hanks's, uh, whenever, um, Forrest is kind of doesn't know what's going on. Like when someone's yelling at him, he kind of tilts his head down a little bit and his eyes get bugged out. Like, oh, okay. <laughs> Relax. Uh, I'm starting to think I made a mistake because everybody was already yelling at me. <laughs> and they do the whole seats taken thing again in the army, right? Seats taken. And uh, Bubba, just like Jenny, is the only one that treated him like a person and mm-hmm. gave him an, an opportunity and said, hey, you can sit here, right? And that's how he meets Bubba Gump. Have you ever been on a real shrimp boat? No, but I've been on a real big boat. <laughs> <laughs> Such a good line. I, I will, I'll be fucking love that line. I'll be brutally honest with myself. I never... Got that joke until th- I've probably seen it 30 <laughs> times. I just got it last oh, night. I text you so happy. Like, that is so funny. It's so good. It's shrimp boat, like little boat. <laughs> I've been on a real big boat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we meet Benjamin Buford Blue, better known as Bubba. People call me Bubba. My name's Forrest Gump. People, People call, call me Forrest Gump. Gump. <laughs> Do you know that was ad lib by Tom Hanks? No, I did not. The Yeah. It's a fucking great line. Such a good line. Uh, and we get to the montage of Bubba talking about shrimping and how he teaches, uh, Forrest everything there is to know about the shrimping business. His mama cooked shrimp. He did. Taught him everything to know about the shrimping business. And we get the juxtaposition of Bubba and Lieutenant Dan too, because it's like everybody in Bubba's family is in the shrimping business all the way back generations. And everybody in Lieutenant Dan's family dies well, in the army. There's a little bit of a, a wink, <laughs> about uh, Bubba's family being in the shrimping business for many years. Mm-hmm. It's implying like his, his mama, cause it was like his, her mama cooked shrimp and her mama for her. And it kept showing like further, further back. And it's clearly like he comes from a family of slavery. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Cause it, it circles back at the end when he gives like Bubba shared to his mom and now she gets served dinner. Yeah. And it's Aww. a white woman yes, serving the dinner. <laughs> that is, a, that is a happy ending. Um, but yes, uh, and then, but while Forrest is like excelling at the military during the, like Bubba's just talking about shrimp, but he's like putting the gun together lightning fast. Even the drill sergeant is super pleased. Gum! <laughs> Why'd you put that gun together so fast? You told me to, drill sergeant. <laughs> you must be a goddamn genius, Gum. <laughs> I'm going to be honest with you. I could watch a whole fucking like 45 minute movie. Of Forrest Gump and this drill sergeant. Just I know you love the <laughs> like drill sergeant. The drill stuff. sergeant being like just 
completely just loving like you're a goddamn genius Gump. and honestly you could see it as criticism against the military industrial complex that gump thrives in this environment and being as someone of a low iq just right? doing what he's told yeah i think you could if you chose to read it as an indictment even though nobody does they see it as very like pro-american war in this movie um, i think it's an indictment like well yeah. juxtaposed with how they treat the protesters not so much maybe uh, but just in isolation, it's, you know, I don't think they're saying anything great about the military that Forrest thrives there, you know? Mm -hmm. um, well, also, the the funny thing is that Forrest does kind of thrive there, but he becomes better. I think because a lot of people kind of levy the accusation that Forrest just does what he's told. But literally, like, he he does a lot, but he he will only do it if it, like, doesn't conflict with his values because at the at one point when, when we get to it lieutenant dan's like leave me and he's like no i'm not gonna leave you like he disobeys that and don't go back for bubba yeah and don't go back for all those people we're about to nape the whole area i gotta find bubba, bubba. uh yeah and uh, uh because you told me to drill sergeant you drill sergeant later that night a buddy of his uh throws forrest a porno mag says check out these tits <laughs> who does that Hey, I was jerking off. I want to include you in this. Why is every creepy guy in like a Vietnam era uh, platoon the one with glasses? Like that's like a stereotype. The one that has glasses. Is it like, Dallas that did that? Check out these tits. Because, <laughs> you know. And it was. Um, Can't trust four eyes. In Predator. Uh, what's his name? Shane Black's character was the the creepy dude in that platoon, too. And I he never had saw Shane Black's Predator from like 2018. No, Shane Black in Predator. The oh, first Predator. Yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Push too many pencils. <laughs> Dylan, you son of a bitch. <laughs> Look at these tits, Dylan. <laughs> Check out the tits on this girl. <laughs> <laughs> this is why my, my right forearm is so big. <laughs> my Now my Forrest Gump impersonation. I'm always coming. <laughs> <laughs> Every day I'm coming day and night. Check out that video. That it's video not what you think is it is. So bananas. Um, yeah. So he he finds Jenny in that magazine. So she posed nude in her college sweater and got kicked out of school for that. Uh, and then so she got a job singing in Memphis, Tennessee. He's excited to see her show, but it's just her naked singing Bob Dylan. Um, I love her stage name, Bobby Dylan. That's true. Mm -hmm. It's a good name. And, and uh, I, I love how pure Forrest is because anybody who is aware of what's happening knows she's like doing this act at a gentleman's club. It's most people will be like, Oh, you're failing. That's not, that's gross. What are you doing? But force is so pure of heart. He just sees his friends singing on a stage and he's like, her dream had come true. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. it's kind of endearing, but also kind of like, Oh man, it's not. Yeah. I'm he, sure it hasn't. And he sees some gross men assaulting her and, uh, throws them aside which is cool but then like tries to carry her off the stage she's not okay with that right like you mm -hmm. can't keep trying to rescue me he says i love you and she says you don't know what love is um she talks Aww. about jumping off the bridge early on right Thinking and then fly off this bridge and then just hitchhikes away um <laughs> this is this is my my favorite this is number line. three i love this part where she's about to get into the the truck to hitchhike away and he's like they sent him to vietnam it's this whole other country. <laughs> <laughs> that part kills me every time. It's, it's this whole, whole other country. country. <laughs> he just has no idea what's happening. He's he's so above it all, yeah. right? Yeah, that's uh, a good way of looking at yeah, it. Yeah, he's, he's like, above it. Mere, the, the qualms of mere mortals are nothing to Forrest Gump. <laughs> mm -hmm. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. 
It can be tough out there as we try to navigate the many twists and turns that life throws our way. Not every problem we face has an obvious or easy solution, but talking through these issues can always bring major benefits. So whether you're dealing with a career change, relationship help, or just getting used to your new normal, therapy helps you stay connected to what you really want while you navigate life so you can move forward with confidence and excitement. I myself have benefited from therapy. I have benefited from BetterHelp. I was struggling to find myself and figure out who I was post-divorce. BetterHelp matched me with an amazing therapist who taught me all about codependency, what it was, and ways I can combat it and realize my whole true self. So if it sounds like therapy is the right move for you, then give BetterHelp a try. It's online, convenient, flexible, and can work with your schedule. Filling out a brief questionnaire is all it takes to get matched with a licensed therapist. And you can switch therapists at any time. To start your own therapy journey, visit betterhelp.com slash streaming things today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash streaming things. Hey, Stream Fiends. Over here at Streaming Things, we like to give a special shout out to all of our members of our Patreon, but we want to specifically shout out our super patrons for the month of August. So thank you, Becky Leduski, Kaylee Sampson, Stanton Valentino, Huckleberry Cauliflower, Giancarlo Gasparin, Mike from New Hampshire, Brett X, Emily Scarano, Little Tickler, Svento7, Jay Scramo, AK Ashley Ray, Adam Busby, Wendy O'Laughlin, Jason Hawkins, Trey Barrera, Conrad, David Malfara, Professor Beth RN, Rabbit Dog in a Barbie Car, Jose Ruben Cruz Rodriguez, Charlie Friday, Alexis Adler, The Pedal Peddler, Emmy, Joe Velez, Valerie, John Collins, Amber McVeigh, Amanda King, Trisha Bueller, Sun Loving Mortal, Suzanne Rode, Jadinklage Morgoon, Jen Robinson, Kate, Kalisha Reeves, Aaron Armstrong, Kevin Strother, Jeanette Murphy, Ashley Powers, Stephen V, Casey McCain, and Enza. Thank you all so much and back to the show. And we cut to actual Vietnam and there is no war movie that could be complete without Creedence Clearwater Revival's Fortunate Son. <laughs> so good. <laughs> that was good. That's some good credence. <laughs> Ooh, <the river laughs> <out of> blue. <laughs> I ain't no fortunate son. There's some bangers in there, but I think Credence is used in every single like major Vietnam movie. Is it not? I feel like it's a rule at this point. Like you got to use you Creedence. get the helicopters. It's either that or fly to the bumblebee. That's oh, it. Yeah. Fly to the bumblebee. <laughs> <laughs> um, so then uh, he, you know, Gary Sinise comes in and the whole movie. Oh, changes. I'm just sorry. It's not fly to the bumblebee. <laughs> it's fly to the Valkyrie. That's what that's what fucked my brain up. Yeah. You see me go. I'm not going back. Because you said fly the bumblebee, and that is a song. So I thought you were making a joke. Like, oh, that would be really funny. That's way different. Fly to the Valkyrie is what it meant. Yeah. I was trying to breeze past it, and you saw my brain reset where I'm like, do I acknowledge it? No. Who's going to notice? Four people that email me? Yeah. <laughs> But Flight of the Bumblebee is even would, better. Let's add that to some Vietnam War Just do footage. Apocalypse Now with Flight of the Bumblebee. <laughs> Make it all cartoony. They're flying in. Um, Flight of the Valkyrie. Way different. Anyway, Gary Sinise enters the picture, changes the entire movie. Um, do not salute me! Because he doesn't want to be... Uh, Sniped. Pegged as, yeah, as a leader in the military for the snipers. 
Uh, and Lieutenant Dan's whole family dies in war, you know, every generation. And that's his like goal. That's his quote unquote destiny, right? <laughs> he had a lot to live up to. Yeah, he did. <laughs> he did. I love he, when Gary Sinise like kind of is giving them the tour and he's like two rolls of my platoon, my platoon, take care of your feet and don't get yourself killed. And then he goes into the bathroom and Ford's like, I hope I don't let him down. <laughs> <laughs> It's funny. <laughs> Fucking love him. <laughs> he told he would tell us to get down, shut up, get down, shut up. The movie does that a lot between his narration and them having the exact quote right after he says it, and it's it, it works every time. It, yeah, I'm, maybe I'm an idiot, but and this I love this joke. Like we had some great young men in my platoon. There Tex. was Dallas from Phoenix. There was Cleveland from Detroit and Tex. Well, I don't remember where Tex is from. <laughs> <laughs> and. Uh, uh, Bubba invites Forrest into the shrimping business 50 50. That's what he says while they're leaning up against each other at That's night. A fine idea. That's a fine idea. That's a damn fine idea. Uh, and he's writing letters to Jenny almost every day, who's out being a hippie. She's traveling the whole country. I think she makes it to California. I don't remember if it's in this scene where she's in Cali, but she's traveling around like a little Volkswagen hippie bus doing hippie things, right? Um, and then their, their platoon gets attacked. Uh, and everything goes to After shit. The rain, the rain finally lets up and they yeah. get attacked. Yeah. And he ends up saving a bunch of soldiers looking for Bubba. Mm-hmm. And I think we saw everybody he had introduced earlier, Cleveland, Dallas. They all got um, injured. And, and this is where he had like run so far and he's like, I was by myself, which yeah. is a bad thing. So yeah. he starts going after everybody and just can't find Bubba, but he can find everybody else. And Lieutenant Dan is even... Really upset that he, he's saving Lieutenant him. Dan's laying there with his legs mangled, calling in an airstrike on himself uh, just to, to get the Charlie. Uh, and uh, he was always looking for some guy named Charlie. <laughs> <laughs> and this is where he gets shot in the buttocks. Ah, something bit me. But he keeps running, keeps running. I say that all the time. Like if a bug bites me. Yeah. Ah, something bit me. Or like me. A, you get like a hamstring cramp. <laughs> yes. I did that. I used to do that in track all the time. <laughs> something bit me. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> it was a bullet, wasn't it? What? what? <laughs> a bullet. That jumped up a bitch you. In your buttocks. Uh, they call it a million dollar wound, but our government must keep that money because I haven't seen a single dime. <laughs> That's such a good line. <laughs> and then I love that when it cuts back to him telling the story, it's just a new guy. And it's just like he just kept going and people are coming and going and he doesn't give a shit. He's just telling his story. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's the new guy. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't seen a cent of that. Uh, but all his. Oh, yeah. But yeah, poor Bubba. This is where Bubba dies. Yeah, we can't gloss over the death of Bubba, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah, because he finally finds Bubba. It doesn't look good. And there's just it's it's a little funny, but it's also like they do have a comedic element because he's like, if I'd have known that was the last time I was going to see Bubba, I would have said something better. And he goes, hi, Bubba. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, Forrest. Like, it's funny, but then it's sad. I cried. It's really sad. And like they're really this is like cry number two for me already, I think. Yeah, they're very good at having um, Forrest kind of put a punctuation on the end of everyone's dying in this movie that just kind of crushes you. I think the act, cause usually he says like they died on a Sunday morning. Like he knows like exactly the time of day and what day it was they died. Yeah. And there's something about the way he says, it. it's like, Oh, he remembers that so vividly. That's hard. That's, yeah. Bubba that's died right there on that, uh, by that river that day, you know? Yeah. He, and, he came from this place in Alabama, but he died on that river. It's like, Oh, very sad. Mm-hmm. Um, and we cut to the hospital. All his letters to Jenny are returned to him. 
there's also another one of the most iconic lines for me personally of all time. Lieutenant Dan, ice cream. Ice cream. <laughs> but you ain't got no legs, Lieutenant Dan. <laughs> That's one of the best parts later. Uh, <laughs> but he just wants to give Lieutenant Dan some ice cream, but he's all sad that he's alive and just puts it in the uh, bedpan. Um, and he learns how to play ping pong while he's in this hospital. Any so- idiot can play. Oh, yeah, that's right. One night, <laughs> Lieutenant Dan pulls Gump off of his bed and he's like, this is him spiraling down into madness. My destiny was to die in Nam, and you took that from me. Right. And that's the whole uh, theme of this movie is is uh, it's an existential question. Is is fate real or are we all just floating around mm-hmm. like a fucking feather? Landing? I was Lieutenant Dan Taylor. You still Lieutenant, Lieutenant Dan Taylor. Um, also, great line. Do you know what it's like to not be able to use your legs? Well, yes, Lieutenant Dan. Actually, I do. <laughs> <laughs> and Dan just pauses, like, so confused. Like, what? Yeah. But he does. He does. He yeah. doesn't know about the brace period. Mm-hmm. Um, Gump is awarded the Medal of Honor, which is a very high prestigious award in, yeah. in our in our nation. Uh, goes to the nation's capital to receive said award. Ends up accidentally at a protest rally podium for the vietnam right speaking of as as i think there's a whole a whole platoon of veterans speaking against the war now at that podium right yeah so i I love the this uh fuck the graduate chris this movie has the best use of the song mrs robinson of all time and that's when he is mooning lbj oh yeah (laughs) goddamn son (laughs) i don't understand that sequence even in my 30s because the man clearly says something creepy and horny to him, right? Or maybe he's just being funny. He's, but he's like, I, would, I understand I, you got shot in the butt talk. I'm very, like, I bet that's a sight to see. I'd very much like to see that, you know, and Forrest is just like, okay, okay. Oh, there you go. Why does he say that though? Why would the president say, I'd very much like to see your ass. It's LBJ, man. I that, don't know anything about LBJ. That's what I'm saying. Is, oh is, is there a God. joke? I don't understand. Yeah, LBJ was like a super, <clears throat> like didn't give a shit about what people thought of him. Like crass would like, intimate he was a larger guy he would intimidate people you can go on youtube and look up recordings where he's talking to his tailor about his bunghole <laughs> and like the, the, you can you can hear the president of the united states like i got it's real tied up in my bunghole can you see if we can do something about that he would like whip his dick out at, on meetings like like if people were disagreeing with him you just whip his dick up like i got the biggest one here really <laughs> yeah he's that type of dude okay <laughs> so he it would make sense to be like man you got shot in the butt i'd like to see that and then be surprised when like, somebody whips oh it out. Oh, shit. Someone actually did it. He's oh, like, usually that's me. He's like, Jesus Christ, son. <laughs> <laughs> Something like that. Yes. Um, but he's at the podium. And apparently the, for the first time in the movie, Gump spits hot fire. Uh, but we don't get to hear it because the microphones are, are unplugged during that sequence. So all mm-hmm. we get to hear is at the end, he says, that's all I got to say about that, which is how he ends every story that he's telling. Right. Yeah. Um, apparently what he actually said. Do you have that pulled up? I do. Yeah, according to Tom Hanks, what he actually says is sometimes when people go to Vietnam, they go home to their mamas without any legs. Sometimes they don't get to go home at all. That's a bad thing. And that's all I got to say about that. Yeah, and that's all I got to say about that. Yeah, That's a bad thing. That's right. He was not wrong. He's not wrong. But at this moment, Jenny hears him. She's in the crowd and she's, you know, obviously he has a very distinctive voice and he says his name's Forrest Gump. Uh, so she runs out into the the Washington mom- Monument, like a uh, lake there, and they reunite. It's a really cool shot. Everybody's cheering him on. They're mm-hmm. hugging. Um, and then uh, he goes back to her 
Pro- it was like peas and carrots again. Pro- well, not yet, because they, they get to protest their... Uh, yeah, she takes him to a, uh, a protester meeting. He meets Wesley. And all of the you know, a lot of the Black Panthers. And then her, I was, I was planning on, I, this is, I wanted to make a note of this cause I wanted to put a soundboard on my, on my board here of Captain Picard from TNG going, shut up, Wesley um, to play. But I forgot to do that. Dang. So. Right, he, he hits Jenny. For shut no, up, Wesley. For no apparent reason. I guess he's just upset that he brought, uh, she brought the baby killer, mm-hmm. which is Forrest. Uh, and <laughs> another one of it, it's inappropriate, but really good line. <laughs> When he misunderstands what a party means politically and says, sorry, I had a fight in the middle of your Black Panther party. <laughs> <laughs> but Jenny gets back with uh, the rebel fuckstick um, abuser the next day. I know. What Where, the hell? Sorry, I'm just I'm so upset. At that damn Johnson, you know, <laughs> that lying son of a bitch. And it's like it make it, it does. It paints the people who are protesting in such a bad light because they make him such a douchebag. And he's the only voice um for that that sect of of the the country you know mm-hmm. poor choice for sure uh you're my girl and she says she'll you're always be his girl and he gives her his medal of honor and tells her to keep it um so this was back in like 2007 i uh was going to this school i think it was 2007 i was going to this college the art institute of cincinnati and I took this like gender studies class and um, the professor was kind of like any of my uh, male students who have like heterosexual relationships. Um, have you guys ever like talked, like given your girlfriend a, or significant other a pet name like my girl or anything like that? So, I, you know, being a dumb young kid, I raised my hand like, I do. I'm not walking into a trap. <laughs> and. You know, I, I said, like, my girlfriend at the time and I really love this one movie. And it, we, we were like, yo, my girl, like I say that to her all the time. And this woman, like three rows behind me, like that triggered her f- and, and in such a way because she starts just screaming at me like, you don't fucking own her, you piece of shit. You're a terrible human being. And I'm just kind of sitting there because I'm in the front row of class and I'm just kind of like, what is happening behind me? Like I didn't even like turn around to look at her because yeah. I was just kind of like deer in the head. Like what's happening? Why am I being yelled at right now? And so, finally she like goes off for like a minute or two. And finally she winds down. The professor's like, okay, that's a thought. And he's like, he looks at me and he's like, what is every? I don't know why he just kind of looked. I don't think he knew what to say. And so yeah. I went like, I just like the movie for we just like the movie for his gump and we think it's funny. Like, sorry, I don't think I actually own my girlfriend. Jesus Christ. Yeah, you are not. You're like the least toxically masculine person ever. Yeah. So I get what she's saying, but she just had the wrong one. Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, Forrest gets sent by the army to fight communism with ping pong. Uh, so <laughs> that's what happens. And he ends up on a talk. It is what happens. He ends right. up on a talk show with John Lennon. Um, and I don't like this scene. Maybe it's cause I'm such a John Lennon fan and it, it's just so corny. But the idea here is that John, I don't, I don't know if it's Forrest supposed to be that gives the lyrics to imagine to John. Yeah. yeah. But it also reads like the way that John Lennon's voice is, it almost sounds like he's being funny. Mm-hmm. Anyway, it doesn't work. This one doesn't work. He's being a little antagonistic. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. I didn't get this joke until this most recent 
until I watched this last night. Like I didn't, the lyrics get, to I didn't get that he was giving him the lyrics to imagine. I'm like, well, that sounds like imagine. Oh shit. That's what they're doing. Yeah. Fuck. I'm dumb. Yeah. How have I never figured this out? I, the, the lifelong huge John Lennon fan never really liked this sequence so much. I don't think this one works. Um, but for no particular reason at all, they shot him. They shot that man. And Lieutenant Dan, uh, shows up while he's just like in, I think he's in New York city on New Year's Eve. Uh, is this where he shows up the first time? Yeah. So he, he's on that talk show with John Lennon. And oh, then that's when why he's when in he's, New York. When he's leaving, uh, Lieutenant Dan meets him like you, they gave you the congressional medal of honor. <laughs> well, yes, they did. Yes, they did. <laughs> um, and then of course they have to do, they're in New York and he's pushing Lieutenant Dan around. I'm walking here. And he does the, I'm walking here. But he's in a wheelchair. Yeah. Uh, you know, we love ableism humor. Uh, we don't, <laughs> don't use that sound bite. <laughs> that's not true. I was poking fun. Unless uh, it's Robin Hood men in tights. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> Talking about blinking. Yeah. <laughs> Every one of those jokes landed <laughs> and I'm not proud of it. <laughs> um, uh, have you found Jesus Gump? Well, I didn't know I was supposed to be looking for him. So, so good. That's such, such a good a, line. Yeah, it's deep, isn't it? It's deep. Um, so he sends him out to get more liquor. Uh, Ripple. I've never had that particular brand. I don't know what that is. I haven't either. Uh, it's New Year's Eve. Uh, and then Gump tells Dan his shrimping plans because he's got to honor his word to Bubba. And he says, I'll come be your first mate if you're captain of a shrimp boat because he doesn't think it's going to happen. Obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, we cut briefly to because he's sitting there in the party. He says he's thinking about Jenny, hoping she's having a great time somewhere. We cut to her with a black eye in California. So she's not having a great yeah, time. She's like leaving who, whatever dude she's with. Yeah. And then uh, uh, Lieutenant Dan is at his apartment with because uh, he's living off disability from the military. Oh, we get that iconic shot of Lieutenant Dan sat at the party with like the confetti getting all in his hair. Yeah. Like that is such an iconic sad person shot. Sad boy shot. <laughs> yeah. Um, lonely in a crowd shot. And uh, he, he t- takes the two women back to the apartment with Forrest. Uh, she's trying to have sex with him. He th- kind of throws her off of him. And then she starts calling him an idiot. Mm-hmm. Dan defends him and says, you don't call him stupid. And then falls out of his wheelchair. The women kind of laugh at the both of them and leave. She tastes like cigarettes. <laughs> I don't blame him. I get it. I get it. Um, he meets the I met the president of the United States again. And this time it's Nixon. And mm-hmm. this time they try to say that Forrest Gump was the cause of Watergate. Yeah. <laughs> it's it, pe- it's people nice. running around with flashlights. And they, they, keep, they must be looking for a fuse box or something with them <laughs> lights to keep me up. <laughs> and I, I love the added touch that he, the, the dude he calls the security guy that answers the phone is the name of the actual person that caught those guys in Watergate. I knew you would know that. So yeah. I don't know any of that stuff. So <laughs> is that what it is? Yeah. Nice. A deep throat, right? Was his name Deep Throat? <laughs> no, so uh, Deep Throat was the uh, Deep Throat was different. No, this guy's name was Frank. He was just a security guard that was like, "Hey, there's somebody there." So he walked over and caught. I don't him. even know what the Watergate scandal is. Uh, it's basically like it's him trying to influence an election of the DNC because they were at the the, D, the Democratic National Convention offices, and I think they were futzing around with papers there. Okay, futzing around with them like sons of bitches. Let me see if I can get a, a a better, like, quickly explainable. The scandal stemmed from the Nixon administration's attempt to cover up its involvement in the June 17th break-in of the Democratic National Committee headquarters in Washington, D.C. at the Watergate office building. Mm. Mm. And he resigned and we got uh, Ford? Yeah, Gerald Ford. Gerald. Gerald. Mm-hmm. Gerald Ford. Gerald Ford. <laughs> what a name. <laughs> uh, Gump is finally discharged from the military 
Uh, by the way, the ping pong is digital. Every time you see one of those ping pong scenes, there's no real ball. That's a computerized mm -hmm. ball. He also and, never blinks in the ping pong scenes. And apparently, because you keep your eye on the ball. Yep. <laughs> and apparently um, he he did the action in that scene where he gets his discharge papers to pick up the digital ping pong ball. But they didn't digitize the ball when he goes to pick it back up. So it's just him picking up the paddle and nothing <laughs> and walking away. That's funny. Um, I didn't pick up on that. That's funny. When he gets home to his mama, he gets the sponsorship of a ping pong company. They make paddles, it's right? $25,000 for us. <laughs> yeah, but that's a lie. I don't use that paddle. Uh, mama said it was just a little white lie. It was fine. It's fine. Um, she was right. My mama's so smart. I got, you know, he got the $25,000. He goes straight to Bubba's family. He buys a shrimp and boat. Uh, after Bio the battery, what a cool town name that is. After Bio taking his battery. mama out to dinner, buying a new suit, like he has like every dollar itemized. Yeah. But then <laughs> like three people back to back ask him if he's stupid or something. Uh, he goes out, only catches five shrimp, names the boat Jenny. Of course, we cut to the actual Jenny. She's at a disco club <laughs> snorting blow. Snorting rails. Yeah, that's what you do. And then shooting dope. And then we get that scene where she's kind of contemplating suicide again. Great uh, use of free bird. And get it because made me a boat so I can fly. Yeah, mm -hmm. I get. I wrote in parentheses. Get it. Get it. <laughs> yeah, uh, that was a an epic free bird use. But it's it's kind of epic every time you use that song. It's true. If I make a short film and we can afford it, we gotta use free bird. We gotta either that. If it's a war, can movie, we only use the slow parts of free bird? <laughs> yes. <laughs> we don't use the epic solo. <laughs> burr, burr, burr. Every every part of that song works. It cinematically. Does. Oh, I love that song. But if it's a war Ironically. short film, we have to get CCR. <laughs> yeah, of course. Or Flight of the Bumblebee. Definitely Flight of the Bumblebee. If we get CCR, we got to use one that is not used as much and like heard it through the grapevine or something. <laughs> <laughs> They're all like stolen songs. Yeah. The whole CCR catalog. Oh, yeah. Um, heard it through the grapevine is very stolen. Yeah. Isn't that uh, Marvin Gaye or something? Some Somebody. I don't, I don't know off the top of my head. We don't know. We're dumb. Doesn't matter. Flight of the Bumblebee. Um, and uh, while he's trying to, <laughs> he, he finally, Dan shows up, damn it. And he says, I want to be your Gladys first mate. Knights in the pips. There we go. Uh, so Dan shows up. We see that iconic wave. Everybody uses that gif now, right? Where he's just so happy to see Dan. He just jumps from his boat. Yeah. I love how he continues waving when he while jumps. He's falling. Yeah. <laughs> it's so funny. Climbs up. What are you doing here, Lieutenant Dan? He's so happy. Uh, I thought I'd try out my sea legs. But you ain't got no legs. legs. <laughs> I know, Forrest. Um, I'm a man of my word. Said he would be there, right? And then the boat just crashes into the dock because it's unmanned. Uh, I love how it was just a dock just in the middle of the river. It did, like they built that dock just to be run into. Well, no, there's a word for that. Uh, I don't know what it is, mm. but there's a, there, those exist where oh, it's okay. like a place to like chill. Um and uh, then we got Dan sitting on top of the mast or whatever it is. And he's like, turn left, Forrest. There's, and, and he turns right. And what the fuck are, what you, are you doing? doing? <laughs> I love. No idea. I, I love how they kind of keep using Lieutenant Dan keeps getting them one of his feelings. Like he just he's kind of has this in Vietnam. He kept getting feelings and it never worked out, never worked out. And he's still like, I got a feeling the shrimper that way. Yeah. It's still not working out. <laughs> but Forrest just listens to him. Damn it. Um, and so what he says, why don't you just pray to your God for some shrimp? So he does. He starts going to church every Sunday. Uh, this this local Baptist church going, going to pray for shrimp. And at this point. 
God showed up. We get the crazy storm, Hurricane Carmen, which is probably a real hurricane that devastated that area. I, I didn't look it up. Um, and every single shrimping boat. This is another thing where I kind of understood the criticism because it's the first time I've never, again, watched it since my early 20s. And I thought, that's actually terrible. They're like all these small business owners were put out of business. And that's how Bubba Gump became so big. Yeah. They're the only boat to get lucky and survive. Yeah. A whole like uh community culture got destroyed. And luckily Forrest Gump is there to. So <laughs> after that, shrimping was easy. It was easy. Shrimping ain't easy until it is. I do want to say that the image of Gary Sinise on top of a mast with an American flag behind him screaming Cursing at the storm. Like Captain Ahabing. That is the most patriotic image I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> Just a dude screaming in the face of God as the rain blows the American flag this behind him. you and me. It's time for a standoff. <laughs> You can't sink this boat. You call this a storm. <laughs> and Boris is just down there panicking. <laughs> With this suicidal maniac up top <laughs> screaming at the storm. But then they, they catch so much fish or shrimp after this, right? It's shrimping's easy now. He founds the Bubba Gump Shrimp Company. There's like a whole fleet of boats, 12 Jennies. Um, we got more money than Davy Crockett. Uh, and they're on the cover of Fortune magazine, which we see that because the guy doesn't believe that he's the owner of a very famous. We were sitting next to a millionaire. <laughs> <laughs> but you were actually. I love uh, how he he walks off and the the older woman that's also there kind of scoots forward and like, I thought that was a lovely story. And he shows her a photo of Lieutenant Dan. It's the two of them on the cover of Fortune magazine. Yeah. And she has that look on her face like, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's real. Um and then we see Dan thank him sort of for finally for saving his life. He didn't say it, but I think he finally made peace with God. Mm -hmm. um, he jumps then, in the water and swims. And we get that that moment where uh, Forrest is told that his mother is sick while they're sitting in the boat eating. And he just jumps right out of the boat immediately and starts swimming you know, like a mile to shore or whatever. Like mm -hmm. he doesn't even think anything else of it. Like it's just immediate. And the guy, the back doctor, the guy that gave him the leg braces is, is in there treating his mother. Um, sure got you straightened out, old boy. <laughs> God damn, I'm funny. <laughs> I did sniper tone for a second there. <laughs> I'm a doctor. Um, I'm sure if you look in the background, like historical archive footage, you'll find sniper tone in every single. <laughs> just like Forrest Gump. I met Kennedy in the 60s, too. <laughs> I'm the only thing standing between. <laughs> Whatever. Whatever you can use in this situation. Uh, 8,000 last of us fans in the, in the audience laughing right now. Uh, why are you, uh, why are you dying mama? That's what he asks. And that's a good existential question. And mm -hmm. she just says dying's a part of life. She's not even fussed about it. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, so he, now he's super rich. Um, Lieutenant Dan has been investing Forrest's money in a, in a, in a fruit company called Apple, uh, <laughs> which is working out very well for Forrest. And it does so well that he says, uh, they said, wait, I ain't got to worry about money no more. So that, which, one less thing, which is good. One less thing, uh, <laughs> which is very true. That yeah. is good. One last thing. Uh, so he starts mowing like the football field he used to play on for free. Mm -hmm. Gives a ton of money to the church and the hospital and, and Bubba's mom. Half of his fortune as per the original deal to mm -hmm. Bubba's family. Yep. 50, 50. Uh, so he cuts that grass for free. Uh, but I love this. It's very dark. Because like even in Vietnam, he says the thing real lightly, he goes quickly past it and says, 
Um, so there was plenty to do because when he's like climbing in the foxhole to to look for enemies or whatever, mm-hmm. he just likes to keep his mind busy um, and he doesn't have to think about too much, which is kind of something that I do. <clears throat> um, not to get too deep, but like I have a really hard time sitting still. I get very depressed if I'm just sitting there. Like my wife makes fun of me all the time. Uh, we caught COVID um, in the second part of the pandemic, like when everybody was back out. Uh, we got COVID for like the third time or whatever, because I had to work throughout the entirety of the pandemic for the most part. So I got COVID a lot because I work in hospitals and um, it was the second day, probably two hours, like eight o'clock in the morning of quarantine. And I was like, I'm losing my mind. I got to go for a walk or something. <laughs> and my wife was just like, what the fuck is wrong with you? It's been a, a day. day. Like, you know, sit down. She's very chill. She'll sit and play uh, Breath of the Wild on her Switch for six, seven hours. No problem. And I always like talk about how I do too much and I just want to relax. And but she's like, it's all a ruse. You can't actually do that. <laughs> like, and I, like I'll mow the lawn, you know, I, I just can't sit still. So anyway, this resonated with me. And when he walks out after talking about all that stuff, but at night, nothing to do. All I could do was think about Jenny. You know what I mean? Like that's true for me. That's real. Cause it's like, I, you're always thinking about Robin Wright. I am just constantly <laughs> at night house of cards should have been good. Damn you, Kevin. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> that was a deep cut. That was. <laughs> Damn but, you, Kevin. <laughs> uh, but then Je- Jenny shows up while he's mowing his lawn uh, and she stays with him for a while. And they're, they're peas and carrots again. They, they walk to her old house and she throws rocks at it, thinking about the abuse of her father. Sometimes I guess they're just on enough rocks. Mm-hmm. That's true. Gorgeous shots of her like standing in front of the house like yeah some of the i think that's one of my favorite shots of the movie cinematography Mm -hmm. uh he gets he gets his iconic running shoes as a gift from jenny in that scene uh the white nikes with the red swoosh Mm -hmm. uh he asks her to marry him another one of my most favorite lines that i say all the time I may not be a smart man, but I know what love is because that's uh, a reference to what she said to him years ago. This is like the fifth time that I start just crying my eyes out in this movie. He's, and I, I just love and how she just, just doesn't think he she thinks he's too good for her is what it is. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, she, I think at this current stage in their relationship. Yeah, that's where she's at. Yeah. Um, she, she's worried that she'll bring him down because she's he's such a pure spirit. Right. Yeah. And I just love how he's so upset and his way of emoting that as he goes out to the screened in porch where she can still see him. And he just does the, oh, what am I going to do? Just yeah. puts his hands on his hips. Like, yeah. I just I love that little bit of acting. And so it's so him. That's as mad as he can get. Yeah. Um. So he, she goes to his bed. They have sex. And then she leaves the next morning before he wakes up, takes a cab out of town. The guy's the cabbie says, what are you running from? I'm not running, but she definitely is. Mm-hmm. Right. She um, left him his medal of honor that he gave her. His medal is on his ping pong paddle. And he's just got, I love the, that shot of him like with his like morning clothes on with like a glass of milk, all sad staring at it. Cause like <laughs> the idea is that he just wakes up and gets a glass of milk in the morning. And, um, but he's so devastated. It's terrible. Mm-hmm. And then we get the infinity run when he becomes a messiah to the, <laughs> to the country. He uh, runs for three years, two months, 14 days and 16 hours, stopping only to shit and sleep. And then just when I needed to go, I went, I went. And when I was a kid, I read that as he slept while running and shit in his pants. <laughs> I'm such an <laughs> You're idiot. You're very literal. Because the way he just when I had to go, I went. I'm like, OK, that's gross, man. 
He's just shitting your pants running across the country. The scene cracks me up because he says all that stuff, but it can't be true because at one point he's showing like magazines with him, like in pose positions that photographers took. Like he was, he was like, stop. I'll take photos with you. Okay. Well, you can kind of run rails. Well, no, like the photo was him like sitting by a tree, like posed. Like it had to have happened. Like, can you stop running for a minute? Okay. I guess. Okay. And then the other thing that makes me laugh is he's getting like, you know, this following and his disciples. He's getting these disciples and they keep cutting to like news footage. And I love how the news is like local gardener yeah. is running around like not war hero, war hero, not medal of honor recipient, not ping pong national champion, not all American football player, not part owner of Apple, not yeah. <laughs> owner of Bubba Gump shrimp company. Right. He's famous for like local 10 times over dude who does a work for free. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's no paperwork signifying he's a gardener. I'm sure. Cause he's not getting paid. No. Uh, th- so this scene is actually kind of interesting because, um, did you know about how the studio paramount wanted to like, they wanted Robert Zemeckis to get like a ton, get rid of a, get rid of a ton of scenes in this movie before they even started shooting. Hmm. I know that the, I watched the um, there's a Netflix uh, documentary show you might have seen. It's kind of like a how did this get made TV version. Like it's all these like uh, amazing stories behind popular movies. I forget what it's called. Movies but that made us movies that made us. Yes. Mm-hmm. There's like home, home Alone, all that stuff. But Forrest Gump is one of them. And I watched that a year or two ago and I forgot all the cool details. But I know that this production almost shut down many times. Yeah. And one of the so they wanted them to get rid of like the Vietnam stuff and the shrimping boat stuff. It's like, which like everything. Yeah. It's, it's so important. And so they were trying to get rid of, they're trying to get them to cut back on all this stuff. And they kept pushing back Robert Zemeckis and Tom Hanks were both like, Hey, uh, how about you cut our salary? We'll just take a percentage of ticket sales, which ended up working out for them. I think Tom Hanks mm-hmm. made like $40 million off this movie. Cause it was yeah. such a runaway success, but the studio's like, okay, we'll cut your budget and you can leave the shrimping boat and Vietnam scenes in, but you got to get rid of this running sequence. And so uh, what they did was they actually shot this whole thing without the studio's approval. Like Robert Zemeckis and Tom Hanks, I think, I think both of them, Robert, definitely, they paid to go out and shoot the running stuff uh, in their own time. And the studio had no idea they were doing it. Wow. And, and then finally, when they showed it to the studio, they were like, okay, that's good. And they gave them enough money to film the, I think the final scene was like, I'm tired. I want to go oh, home. Oh, all the people in the desert. Yeah. I think I'll go I, I'm home pretty now. sure that's the scene that they actually paid for. But yeah, this um, is the dark night of the soul. This is integral to his character. You know, yeah. this is him trying to, to run, you know, heal from the past. Yeah. And a big reason why they were able to do this on the sly was they used uh, a running double for Tom Hanks for most of it. So it's not him because the camera's kind of far enough away where you can't tell. Yeah. And it's actually his br- younger brother, Jim Hanks, is the double. I didn't know in that. a lot of the running scenes because apparently a lot of this, <laughs> a lot of the doubles couldn't mimic the run because he has a very specific. Yeah. Uh, Forrest Gump run. And um, according to his brother, that Jim, the only reason he was able to do it was that's a stupid Hanks thing. Quote. <laughs> That's how, that, that, that's how we all run. That's how we all run. We're fat. We, we run like the wind blows. Um, yeah. He's just running across the country back and forth and back and forth. Uh, he also teaches uh, a bumper sticker. He gives the shit happens bumper sticker idea to that guy and the yeah. have a nice day. Smiley first t-shirt smiley face t-shirt to that guy mm-hmm. while he's doing that. 
And then he goes back home and gets a letter from Jenny years later to come visit a couple of years. I guess by the age of Forrest Gump Jr., we can assert that it's been a couple of years. And by the way, I think it's fair to say that Forrest Gump had sex once in his life and uh, sired a child. Mm -hmm. Go Forrest. Go Forrest. Potent seed. <laughs> the seed is strong. <laughs> is that your... Um, Fuck, who's the, the John Aaron strong? Yeah, it's your John Aaron. <laughs> uh, so he sees uh, and this is where we're at in the movie. We catch back up to the present. That's why he's on that park bench in Georgia. He's there to visit Jenny. And the lady he's with is like, well, Henry Street's just four to six blocks that way. Down that way. Down that way. <laughs> <laughs> so he runs there and he shows up to her apartment and sees her. She's in like a, a waitressing outfit. And I got you some chocolates. I had some. I ate some. <laughs> <laughs> Which I use that sometime too. Like when I give my wife snacks. I ate some. Even if I had, I didn't. That's just my my way of delivering the goods. <laughs> and Haley Joel Osment. This yeah. Is, uh, his debut. Pre-Six Sense, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, this is his film debut. Little he was Haley such Joel a good Osment. little actor. Yeah. Like such an endearing child. Like immediately. He's, can, I mean, can I watch TV now? You know, he's still, he's still around doing actor stuff. He was in right? Tusk. Yeah, he was in Tusk. <laughs> yeah, randomly, he's in, he's in stuff. He's cool. Uh, I think he's a podcaster. Fuck him. I don't like him anymore. <laughs> <laughs> There's so many podcasts. Um, by the way, I know I've said this a bunch. Another one of my all-time favorite lines. It works so well. Sue me. I'm an idiot. He's looking at the child. He's like, oh, my God, Jenny, you're a mama. Yeah, I'm a mama. His name's Forrest. He got a daddy named Forrest, too. <laughs> she, he's like, I named, like I, I, I named him after his daddy. He got a daddy named Forrest, too. <laughs> yes. So good. I love it. That's my um, name. Uh, and then he's like, can I? This scene wrecks me. Yeah. I'm dude. a simple creature. Yeah, every time. Every time he it's says, is he tears. smart or is he, and he touches his chest, meaning is he like me? Mm -hmm. And she says, no, he's so smart, right? And like, that just forests, oh. Yeah. Just the acting by Tom Hanks in this scene alone is just incredible. Like the way when she says, you're his daddy Forrest and him kind of taking a step back, not knowing how to process she's like, that. You didn't do anything wrong, right? Yeah, he's she like, says, you didn't do anything wrong. That's so heartbreaking. Because he's oh. like, what do you mean? Bitch, I've got like $300 million. What are you? <laughs> Why are you struggling here with my kid? <laughs> um, and then the moment, and he says like, he's the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. Yeah, I mean, I, I that even though like he says that after he finds out that's his child, I believe he still thinks that because that's Jenny's child. Like that could be, mm -hmm. it could be another daddy named Forrest and he would still think that kid's the most beautiful thing he'd ever seen. Yeah. Because it's Jenny's boy. And that's, that's so cute. I just immediately thought of my, my son. Uh, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a whole, it's a thing. And, um, the scene wrecks me. Tom Hanks plays it so well. Robin Wright's perfect. Cause she's actually kind of healed now. And unfortunately she has the, the hep C, but like, she's, she's happy. She's got her kid and she, you know, she's mm -hmm. like, Hey, I'm so sorry for anything I put you through. Um, it's a great scene. And then he goes to sit and watch Bert and Ernie with his kid they have the same head tilt. And they do the identical head tilt thing yeah it's so well done it's such a nice small touch mm -hmm. um but then the next day or whenever that was they're together again and jenny tells him that she's sick and he's like well what do you <laughs> what is i think he's quoting like an old commercial for medicine at the time because he says um what do you got cough due to cold <laughs> 
<laughs> and I think cough due to cold. I'm almost positive that comes from like an old med- like a medicine commercial that we used to watch as kids as like a, a list of symptoms or something. Um, I could be wrong about that. It's never occurred to me before, but that's it's just the way he phrases it is so idiosyncratic that I think that's what that joke is. Uh, but no, she's got some kind of, I think she says blood disease or something that there's no cure for. She's, yeah, she just says that she has a virus that they don't they don't have a cure for. And he's like, come live with me. I'll take care of you. Mm-hmm. And she asks him to marry her. And he's like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> what a twist. And then we cut to his wedding and Lieutenant Dan shows up. Lieutenant Dan. New legs. You got new legs. <laughs> I, I love how he hasn't actually even introduced jenny to lieutenant dan and his he hit the first thing he does he's, he's he goes new legs and he turns to jenny and goes, new legs like <laughs> yeah i don't know who that beside is beside himself yeah. oh my god <laughs> titanium alloy same thing they use on the space shuttle this is my fiance susan hello <laughs> that's like her only line <laughs> this is my jenny <laughs> love him yeah this, so this scene with lieutenant dan showing up with the new legs and and force kind of geeking out about him that is uh tom hanks's favorite scene from the movie well really yeah tom in an interview he said like that scene's very powerful to him and it's his favorite one which is fun which is it's a good scene yes and and gary sneeze by the way did you know that he he's like super into um helping veterans as no i don't know if it's a direct result from this film but uh gary sneeze like has a rock and roll cover band or he started one in the mid 2000s called the Lieutenant Dan band. And they would go do like USO tours and play for the military. Um, and then he also started um, a foundation for injured war veterans and it raises like 30 million a year. Wow. For uh, go Gary Sinise. Yeah. So he's, he's doing, doing the good work. Go, go Dan. You're healed. Apparently um, he was awarded the presidential citizen medal in 2008 for his charity efforts. Way to go, Dan. It, they Jenny gave Knight. you the presidential citizen award. They're going to give me <laughs> that one. Um, and then Jenny dies um, on a Saturday morning. I think he says oh, um, praise after he brings her some food and they have a great talk. Um, that talk is so sad because he's telling her about like all the cool things he's seen. Like, like there was this like look like a mirror. You can see where the, s- the sky like, ended. See, it was looked like it was two skies, one on top of the other. Yeah. Because she says, I wish I was there with you. And he says, oh, you were there the whole time. You were. I'm going to cry thinking about it now. That's such a good scene. Like, there's three cries back to back to back. And it's the when he realizes he has a son. It's this speech to Jenny and then talking to her at her grave. Mm-hmm. Um, well, and this is the scene where the whole movie, Forrest never says were. He would usually, like, phonetically, if you did say the word were, he would say was. I was this. And yeah. That. The first time he says were in this movie is you were because she says, I wish I were with you. And he goes, you were like, it's just like another way to tie them together. Like, oh, yeah, that's a great that's a great pull. And I I just love that he had some kind of peace while he was running across the country. And he show all these like beautiful ways of saying things, you know, like talking about the sunrise and the desert and the desert, you know, and and like you said, the the skies on the mountain lake, all that stuff. It's beautifully done. She passes away. He's talking at her grave. He buried her under that tree that they used to climb on as a kid. Um bulldozed her dad's house. Yep. Fuck that guy. <laughs> and uh and like when he sets that letter down, you know, for little forest wrote you a letter. I'm not supposed to read it. Uh, just leave it right here. <laughs> it's so cute. He doesn't read it. No, he doesn't. Mo- all, every parent on earth would read it to make like make sure their kid was processing things okay. And you know, yeah, no, no, not for us. He said I couldn't. 
He's a man of his fucking word. Uh, and this is where we get the theme tied into the movie where he's standing there talking at her grave when he talks about destiny versus floating around accidental like on a breeze. I think it's both. Um, and, and then we get the scene where I'm sitting with Forrest at the bus stop to tie it all back in. Oh, my God. When he breaks down crying, like, I miss you, Jenny. Oh, <laughs> waterworks all day, every day. And then as he's walking away, the birds fly away from the freeze the a bird. Yeah, freeze a bird. So I can fly far, far, far away. Uh, and he sends his little forest off on the on his first day of school. My favorite book. He pulls out the Curious George book. <laughs> yeah. I love the ending. Uh, <laughs> what if it was like something else, you know, like uh, Fifty Shades. <laughs> my favorite my book. My favorite book. <laughs> <laughs> and the feather falls out that he put on the bus stop in Georgia, falls at his, at his dirty shoed feet. Um, and Dorothy Harris, the vampire. <laughs> she's still there. He's still the bus driver. Oh, but man. she remembers Forrest, too. And she's like, do you fucking know what school buses are? And he's like, <laughs> of course I do. But I'm Forrest Gump. And she's like, oh, thank God. And then he gets on the bus. And I like to think he's the opposite of his dad in like the best way. Like he gets his seats open. No, he just stands at the front of the bus. Any of you motherfuckers give me any shit. <laughs> <laughs> I will rain fire down on all y'all. I will beat your hillbilly asses. My dad's a war hero. Yeah. And I'm rich as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have my daddy buy your dad your daddy's house and evict you. Yeah. Bulldoze it. He does that. So, yeah. And that's it. The feather takes flight again. And you're right. As an adult, it's kind of sad. Mm-hmm. I think because he's like, I'll be right here when you get back. And like any other adult, that would mean I will come back here. A few minutes before the bus arrives. Mm-hmm. I think Forrest is going to sit there all day. He might. He might. Unless he has to go mow that lawn at the football field. He's just kind of zoned out. And it's like, it's kind of sad because it's like he has this kid, but well, he seems kind of lonely. I don't think it's kind of sad in the fact that, you know, his wife's gone. But I think because uh, Forrest has always tackled things in life, like with this laser focus, like none of this stuff matters except for the people that I care about. Mm hmm. I feel like there's like that. There's a good future for that boy because of absolutely who his dad is going to have a great life. Yeah. Can you imagine if this movie there was a sequel to this movie and we got to see Forrest Gump through all the other historically important moments since the mid '80s on? Like, can you imagine like those two planes are going to hit that building? Like, <laughs> oh god, <laughs> oh god, for no particular reason at all. They started storming the Capitol on January. (laughs) (laughs) All these men in red hats. (laughs) Oh, my God. That'd be terrible, but kind of great. Then there was these people that were trying to raise money by just throwing ice buckets on people. It was very cold. This bald lady ripped up a picture of a pope. They were all (laughs) mad about that. Um, Yeah. All these people kept yelling, leave Brittany alone. (laughs) <laughs> I just thought, why are you bawling that poor girl? <laughs> She's Brittany, bitch. That's what she always said. <laughs> That's what she always said. <laughs> I want that so bad. It would be poorly received, but I would watch the shit out of it. I don't even need a full movie. I just want like little vignettes of like short film. We could do it. Like there's that scene where, uh, like the guy whispers to George Bush that the towers got hit and yeah. George Bush has that like deer in the headlights moment. But you see Forrest in the back like, like 
finish that book. I love <laughs> Curious George. There with the kids, <laughs> listening to him read. <laughs> what happened next, Mr. President? <laughs> I've met a lot of presidents. <laughs> oh, man. Fucking gold. Well, happy birthday, Sarah. I hope you enjoyed that as much as we did. Thank happy you, David, birthday. for your patronage. If any of you listening out there want to do cool stuff like this, you can go to patreon.com slash streaming things and subscribe. There's a variety of tiers, one of which gives you the ability to make us watch movies like this. Mm. But there's tons of bonus content on there for everybody and access to our Discord, which I need to do so much better about uh, uh, hanging out in. But I mean, we have a thriving community of wonderful, intelligent people in there. We had there. a great fireside chat yesterday did you really yeah we it was the biggest turnout we've had for one so far a saturday fire fire i thought that was fridays it typically is but um i put it out on the poll to see like when what was the time frame during the weekend that people are most free and saturday morning was the winner so we did it saturday morning all because you did it at a different time that's why it was a better turnout yeah because you had more like the europeans and stuff in there mm-hmm. and it got to see enza enza yeah so a lot of, lot, of, lot of great people on that Discord. You should join it. Indeed. Indeed. We love you all so much. That's all the time we've got for right now. My name is Kit Laser. And I'm Steve. And this is Streaming Things. Happy streaming. Happy streaming. I know what streaming is. <laughs> I may not be a smart man, but I run a podcast. I love this movie called Squid Game. <laughs> it's a show. It's a TV show. It's, yeah. like, it's like a lot of mini movies. <laughs> Put together, make a real big one. Mm-hmm. So you're doing Bill Clinton. <laughs> I'm not doing Bill Clinton. I am doing Bill Clinton a little bit. I did not have sexual relations with that woman. <laughs> Jenny. <laughs> okay, I did. She tastes like cigarettes. <laughs> <laughs>